0: what is up guys welcome back to another episode of marijuana essay weekly and today we are talking about cost per gram and how to reduce it essentially when you have a grow going uh, especially an indoor grow there's a huge emphasis on getting your costs down and uh, dean's kind enough to have prepared some tips and tricks on how to reduce that so if you guys are looking for some info on how to save some buck through the process this is the video for you and as always this uh, youtube doesn't fund us so uh likes and subscribes and comments really make the make us keep doing this and it means the world to us so thanks guys and let's jump in how's it going dean
1: yeah sure Andy. So i think this is a, a talking point we don't often look at you know as it's kind of also to production productive for a grow shop i would imagine because <laughs> you know you're wanting to a lot of the time you're wanting to promote uh, equipment and specific things that you're wanting to solve but uh, as with growing indoor uh, specifically for today's conversation it can get very expensive uh, you invest a lot of money into the equipment. We've done a lot of content on that recently. But now, when your equipment is running, you know mm-hmm. it's 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 very easy for you to start to for your costs to really start to rack up. Um, there's obviously risks involved as well. In South Africa, we've got load shedding. Um, so that's one but then there's also other risks related to you know overutilization of things or unnecessary utilization as well so i thought it would be a good talking point for us to have a look at some of the tips and tricks
0: it's kind of like to... a it's it's a bit of a high level thing as well because it's not really essentially um something you would be able to just uh like when you're getting into it it's like your first run you're not really thinking about like how can i save costs uh, i must say it's like your first run, like just get just get some butt out, like don't just don't get t- to the end yeah. <laughs> get you know, to the but, end. Then, but then you enter a point where now
1: you are wanting to get the maximum out of your system, and uh, as with anyone who's invested into something, you want to maximize and cut the fat, so mm. that's kind of mm. where we find ourselves today, so I've prepared this small little presentation uh, for everyone to have a look at nice all right, so. Starting out, uh, what are some of the main costs of indoor growing? And I came up with this little tagline over here. Don't let your grow bankrupt you. you." (laughs) (laughs) So I personally uh, have uh, been through quite a journey of utilizing different kinds of uh, technologies and different kinds of nutrients and different uh, seeds to clones, you know. And all of these learnings along, along the course of the time have basically been, can I pull the same results while use, utilizing less of everything? You know, what mm. is the best way to reduce your costs? Um, and I think with any kind of indoor grow, we would start off with, with the electricity costs, because Just, yeah. you know, an an outdoor grower, they not having to pay electricity uh, in South Africa. Electricity is highly expensive and intermittent, so that's one one factor as well. But I think globally, you know, it's a, it's a, probably one of the largest costs related mm. to related to indoor cultivation. So, uh, what are some tips and tricks for, or, or what should you pay attention to when you are uh, looking at the electricity specifically? Um, Anyone who follows this channel would know that we, we die hard LED uh, promoters. And, and, and that, that point for me came, you know, basically to look at, okay, these HIDs are burning a lot of excess, uh, a lot of excess power. They're increasing my heat a lot. So I'm having to invest in cooling and, and, and more intense environmentals. So, you know, looking at the LED versus HID uh, kind of really does make sense to start looking on the, on the LED side. And also, where we find ourselves today in twenty twenty two, the technology for LEDs has advanced a lot in the in the last couple of years and the cost of LEDs is becoming more affordable and uh, in in the price range of people to 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 get mm-hmm. into. So that's a massive factor, I would say, for the for the electricity usage and to assist in bringing your costs down. Um, also, the, that being said, you still can pay attention to your environment. Um, Airflow is a good way to a nice cheap way sometimes in order to, to gain control of your environment, you know, maximizing without having to use sort of expensive technology, and then looking for efficient pieces of technology, like go for a dehumidifier that has a higher a lower energy rating for efficiency. You know, you get all that information on the boxes, you see it on the fridges, you see it on everything. So pay attention to what kind of technology you're fitting in, you're, you're, you're utilizing. Maybe you see a cheap dehumidifier on the secondhand market, pay attention to how many watts it's going to draw or maybe one of those standalone air conditioners, pay attention mm-hmm. to how many watts it's going to draw because it might be cheaper to buy, but then the running cost, same as the LED versus HID is going to, Drive your costs up over time, and uh, you know it can rarely get out of control with the with the electricity. I've seen it myself. You know, just not <laughs> not paying attention to what I'm using, overusing things. You know, um, not util- using too much veg, uh, using too much light power during my my veg cycle. Mm. You know, all those sorts of things can help you drive your electricity costs down by just being cognizant as to what how much electricity each item is utilizing from from that in that kind of space
0: yeah i think with especially with the uh ventilation and like the the uh inline fans and stuff like there's there's configurations that you can put them in your tent that are going to be much more efficient and it's like thinking about where you're drawing the air from like that source of the air if you may be pulling it in from Uh, outside, which is 34 degrees and filled with bugs and pests. Versus if you're bringing it in from like inside, from like a a scullery or something like that, where there's like a bit of a cooling window for that air or from even just from within the house and you're bringing the cold air from within the house and then blowing the hot air outside the house so that you've got this, like you're kind of using your house as a a cooling mechanism. It's a nice little, a nice little trick. It's, It's small things you have to think about like that.
1: And also like looking at stuff like, okay, cool how well insulated is the space that I'm utilizing? What kind of ceiling does the space have that mm. I'm utilizing? All of those things can, you know, you're putting in non-mechanical solutions in order to help your mechanicals drive less. And then also, you know, certain certain inline fans like the HIT series, they're far more, you know, they're, they're far more energy efficient and they actually sort of create a better pressure within the within the ducting. So mm. electricity, I think it's the largest cost. It's the largest running cost of indoors. And, uh, you know, just paying attention to your electricity would be the number one uh, way to, to, to save funding.
0: Um, can so I, moving can I on. also, can I yes, also yeah. add on there? Um, I think probably, uh, it's a, it's a little bit more of a tricky one, but depending on the size of your indoor grow, if you've got, um, you've got say like a any sort of thing maybe like five meters uh five by five and upwards it's probably worth reaching out to your your supplier um of the lights and just asking them to map out your um your space you know something we do sometimes with clients is like if they've got a specific space we'll we know the spreads of the lights and we'll be able to tell you where to position those lights within your space and at like certain heights to make sure you optimize that because you don't want to have uh, a configuration of lights where you have hot patches and then cold patches but meaning there's no uh, light uh, in those areas or in the corners aren't getting it. so they are configurations that you can do to maximize those and then also like um, maybe perhaps like reflection within the within the space it's uh, quite an underight if you're obviously in a tent it's not so important, but if you're in a set, space um a little bit of you know it's sometimes a bit expensive like the reflective paint or the reflective liners you feel like it's an unnecessary cost but that that like extra 20 percent on like a boost that you're giving your 20 30,000 rands worth of lighting um is is huge you know all of a sudden you're getting an extra 20 percent of your 50 grand light bill that's or your light expense and it's now 20 percent better so that's extra extra value in that. So yeah, I think those also uh interesting um tips that you guys can use.
1: Yeah, don't paint your walls black. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they look cool but not efficient. Yeah, it's not going to be it's not going to be efficient. Okay, so uh, moving on uh, another big uh, big factor to take into account is what kind of starting material am I going to be utilizing? I think the the thought pattern here starts with looking at what kind of system do I have? You know, if I've got a just a four-plant system or a two-plant system and that's all that I'm running, then running from seed every time starts to kind of make sense. You know, you're putting in maybe uh 300 to 500 rand per run on seeds and you're getting a decent harvest from that uh, every single run. Uh, but if you are going slightly larger, it might make sense then to start looking at something like a perpetual system. And also if you're wanting to produce more regularly and reduce your, your lead times between harvest, then looking at something like a perpetual system might make sense. What is a perpetual system? That's basically where you have two different grow spaces, one that will be a dedicated veg space and one that will be a dedicated, um, a dedicated, uh, flowering space. and uh, a big factor for me in this is uh, you know looking at the efficiency of your of your veg space as well. Uh, I run a veg space. Uh, it's a MacGyver. I've spoke about it a lot of times. it's a 08 by8 uh, by, by 1.6 that I have on its side and uh, the whole the whole tent uh, draws a total of 210 watts okay But with the 210 watts I'm able to start, I could probably start about 100 beans in there if I needed to, Mm. but uh, I use it as a a mothering and a cloning space, and I can easily keep four decent mothers and do about 120 clones a run if necessary. Obviously, you don't need that many, uh, but uh, I would be able to do that. So that's very high numbers for something that's only drawing it's only drawing a hundred, uh, two hundred and 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 ten watts or or so. So basically, I, I would say in the perpetual system, and if you're pushing your numbers higher, uh, it would make sense to start to invest into cloning knowledge and uh, mm. and uh, um you know getting your kind of efficiencies down because if you do so, you can control your you'll have a good mothering stock. You know that it's stable. Mm. Um, stable seeds a lot of the time are going to cost far more so you'd be investing a lot into it each time but once you've got a stable genetic in mother and you are keeping your veg costs low it does become a more efficient way to keep your costs down in the in the long run uh an example of this I'm running a strain now that we've been working on for like two years or or so, maybe a year and a half. And it's a platinum gorilla from in-house genetics. Uh, The pack originally cost, I think it was somewhere close to like 1,500 or or 2,000. I can't quite remember. But from that pack, we uh, decided on one single mother. Uh, We've kept that so we've kept sort of that single, uh, varietal going and, uh, we've created, you know, a couple of hundred clones, uh, from that over the period. And it's just, you know, I reset them mother every, every couple of months, every two months or so. And it's uh, been a very, very, very little cost to, to mm-hmm. outlay on genetics, whereas I've been able to supplement my smoking habits fully without having to buy a new, without having to buy any new genetics in. Uh, so yeah, I think the cloning and the mothering, uh, aspect is a nice way to bring costs down if you do have the available space and if you do look at the efficiency of your veg space as well especially because that's that,
0: important that consistency that you get is is uh, also under underestimated sometimes because like you can get dud seeds you can get dud not dad seed. you can get dad seeds, and then you can also get under performing like the very the variance you could get of the same genetic even though it's the same seed or white widow or something it could still like they're not all going to look the same, whereas I think with a clone you're much more likely to have a very similar, uh, more consistent harvest. And then if you weigh out your cost per gram over an average year, then it's going to go way lower than uh, um, you know if you have a bad one bad batch or a few bad seeds um, plus or a few bad plants from the seeds that you've grown out. Uh, those will just generally bring down your average of your your yield, and that obviously pushes up your cost per gram. And you have less
1: data, so you may it may you may find it more difficult to run the cycle sort of on a on a time schedule and those phenotypic differences well, nice sometimes, yes, depends mm. on what outcome you want to come for. I mean, last week we were speaking to Mahmoud, and he was saying, you know, some home growers want that phenotypic difference, but mm. if you're scaling up a little bit, you want to move away from that phenotypic difference. So, yeah. you know, it kind of depends on what outcome you want to come out for. But uh, personally, from the data that we have, you know, running an efficient veg space, vegging and then basically immediately flipping into flower means you don't have to, you don't know, you know, each space is being maximized fully and your lead times are cut down by two to four weeks in some cases. So you're getting an extra harvest a year potentially. Uh, which then, in the end of the day, you know, your yearly harvest is uh, is greater by, you know, one fifth, uh, which is a uh, is a massive cut
0: to the cost per
1: the cost per gram.
0: Mm can i quickly interject anyone that's still watching please make sure to like and subscribe and obviously we have a link to our take a lot store below and we also have a link to an email mailer where you can sign up to that email uh list and then we can introduce you to a couple of uh, our other um things that going on the ongoings within the industry and just news and updates and that's a really cool way for us to actually connect with you guys yeah thanks
1: cool so uh the next point is something that people probably don't think about. I'm just doing it as a hobby, you know, so labor isn't really <laughs> a thing that I, that I think about. But it can easily get to a point where you're spending every single evening uh, working on your grow and uh, all of a sudden you don't have much time for anything else anymore. So this mm. is where, you know, there's a few points I've put you: making clones, maintenance, uh, feeding and watering, your IPM regiment. And this is a point where you kind of have to start to plan. You know, Uh, if you're not planning, it's very easy. If you're just going each day and looking, okay, what needs to be done and not really paying attention to dates and what date I cloned and Mm -hmm. what date I flipped into flower, what date I popped this bean, then all of a sudden you kind of just MacGyvering it. And, uh, you know, it does work. It can work, but uh, you are going to find yourself with less free time uh, in order to do other things. And, uh, you know, every hour you spend on the grow is an hour of, labor essentially. Mm -hmm. So if you're spending an additional 10 to 15 to 20 hours where you could have just planned a little bit better and avoided all of that extra time, technically you're bringing the cost per gram down as well, because now you're not spending unnecessary time uh, doing work where you could have just put it all up onto a calendar, paid attention to everything, and then Mm -hmm. started to run your system better planned. And by planning better, As with anyone who's got a career, you know, time management (laughs) (laughs) is important. It's not cool to spend every day, all day working from, you know, eight o'clock in the morning to 12 o'clock at night. Uh, It's all about time management in the workplace. And it's also about time management in the grow. So Mm. just pay attention to your time, uh, put together a little bit of a plan. Maybe you've got a whiteboard up in in the grow room and you're just making making notes uh, each time you're coming in. But you know, just I've found personally, having a having more of a plan has allowed me to mm. maximize every moment that I spend in the grow room, and it's allowed me more time to have free times in the evening to film the film the plants, or play PC games, or spend time with my girlfriend. You know, or important things that would otherwise be lacking. And uh, then you get burnout as well. You know, you get burnt <laughs> out from the grow, You're spending too much time on it, and then Use at the end mistakes. of the day, like. Yeah. And also you might be like, you might also then run out of steam and then make mistakes in the flowering phase, which is the most important, you know? Mm-hmm. So a little bit of a plan is going to definitely help you bring that cost per gram down as well.
0: hundred percent.
1: Okay. And then I think our final uh, point just to look at is um, just a little bit of nutrients and equipment. Um, I love that.
0: I love that first point, expensive products. Cause damn <laughs> that, That's so true.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, there are so many products on the market and a lot of products really do work. But, Mm. uh, you know, for example, the BioBiz range of products, it's an expensive range of products. It gives you incredible results, but it's easy to overuse as well. A lot of the products are all completely organic, okay? Mm. So you don't stand much of a uh, a risk of sort of overfeeding. So you might be pushing all your numbers right up where in actual fact you could potentially cut them in half and get the same results so i'm not saying don't buy the products what i'm saying is make pay attention to things like overfeeding and overwatering because if you're Overfeeding the plants, you potentially just wasting, you know, pouring thousands of rounds of nutrients uh, mm-hmm. that is just going to run off. And the same with overwatering. You know, if you're giving too much liquid and a much or, or too much too quick, and then a lot of that is sort of running out the bottom of the pots, um, then you're just sort of pouring, pouring nutrients for the to evaporate down the, drain. In the tent yeah exactly essentially so you know a, a very easy fix related to that is maybe have a it depends on what way you're growing if you're growing uh organically i would look at some organic uh sort of amendments like uh uh, uh worm castings is a really nice cheap alternative to a broad-based nutrients so utilize worm castings as well as your, your, your nutrient schedule in order to, but use lesser of those nutrients in order to sort of bring your costs down there and allow your nutrients to go further. And if you're growing hydroponically, you know, look at uh, maybe a, a hydroponic nutrient that is uh, not all hype and that has a a decent value attached to it. Mm. And then on top of that, you know, maintain your EC and do your testing so that you know what you're feeding uh, instead of overfeeding and wasting and wasting nutrients over time. And then with relation to IPM, my final point, you know, uh, in in this point, I'd like to say that, you know, prevention is better than a cure. So maintain a schedule that is, Regular And if you're maintaining a regular schedule, you're going to be utilizing products, yes, but uh, it's, it's easier to, it's cheaper to avoid something than to get an issue. You know, if you get a powdery mildew outbreak because you were lazy with defoliation, it Jeez. didn't have enough airflow, and now you end up losing 50%, 80% of your harvest, the cost per gram source.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so, you know, uh, I think a lot of these points are, are, are things that growers do know. But it's just nice to also, you know, cognizantly think, what am I doing? Is it worth it? Do I need to feed it? You know, and uh, just don't do things unnecessarily. Rather, uh, as with nutrients, you know, less is more a lot of the time. So maybe dial back a little bit and see where you can save costs, because at the end of the day, you could get the exact same results or better by planning better and Mm. making more cognizant choices about what products you're going to be utilizing in the grow. 100%.
0: 100%. Guys, that uh, brings us to the end of the presentation. Uh, you guys that have made it right to the end, make sure to connect with us on WhatsApp below uh, or any of the links below. It really helps support us in the channel. And as always, uh, make sure to like and subscribe and check you guys next week.
1: Peace, guys.